More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, Helena Robertson, EY's global family enterprise and family office leader, discusses the 2021 Family Business Index. The Family Business Index reveals that the world's 500 largest firms represent the third largest economic contribution in the world and employ more than 24 million people globally. While these firms' health over the last year is proof of their resiliency, the index also gives insight into some of the challenges they currently face with age and gender diversity. Enjoy this episode with Helena. So Helena, welcome to the Family Business Voice. It's lovely to have you here today with us. Thank you. Thank you, Ramya. It's very good to be here. I like to start on a personal note. We're going to talk facts and figures aplenty because you guys have a lot of facts and figures to offer us. But I love to start on a personal note because I'm always curious to know how people end up in this family business field and what led you to end up like being so curious and so engaged with family businesses. Yeah, thank you, Ramya, for that question. Well, actually, I was brought up in an entrepreneurial family, and, and then I've been working as an advisor throughout my career with families and entrepreneurs. So that's also, you know, and the, you know, with, with my background and with uh, the support of my parents, I've always found family enterprises to be super interesting. And also, you feel as an advisor, you're also part of the family. That's and that's what I like engaging with families. And it is, of course, like it is a it is a endless fountains of fascinating stories and, and you get to interact with them all over the world. And, and today we are here because you have some very interesting insights to share from the 2021 Family Business Index that's been done by EY. Let's first talk about the index. So, you know, there's indexes aplenty. What's special about this index? Like since when has it been going on? Tell us more about the impetus behind it. Yeah. Well, first, I think just in a sentence, explain what our index is. So it's a ranking list of the 500 largest family controlled businesses globally, and it's based on revenue. And we've been doing it for, for quite some time now. So we, we first published the index in 2015, and we've been doing it every second year since then. So we're actually uh, at the fourth edition now. And ever since the beginning, we've collaborated with the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland to ensure that we have the right academic approach. And they've been our partner on this project since, since the beginning. So I think the index it, it illustrates the importance of the 500 largest family businesses for, for the global economy. Together, they, they create more than 7 trillion US dollars in revenue annually, and they em employ around 24 million people directly. You just can imagine what that makes in, in the second level. And I think that's an outstanding contribution. And what I think makes this 2021 edition special is, of course, that it comes in the middle of an ongoing global pandemic. So we, we were keen to see what that would trigger, if that would trigger any significant changes in, in the order. But was confirmed in the index that what we've already seen in, in other disruptive events, that is that most family businesses are very resilient. 
and those that are in the index, they've been around, you know, for, for decades and, and sometimes hundreds of years. And it's not the first and absolutely not the, the, the last turmoil they will see. What makes you believe that it's actually the family ownership and at times even still family management that make these companies have such a lasting positive impact on their economies? I think we can uh, for sure manifest that it is the fact that they are family controlled because that makes them, as said, more resilient. They last, they've last over generations. They've been around for a long time. And uh, I think that's so important to the global economy. It's not just the, the, the unicorns that we've seen uh, uh, rise in, in the past decades, but we also in need for, for this uh, foundation of business. And also, uh, we know for a fact that 85% of all businesses globally are family controlled. So I think the family element is so important to the businesses and to the global economy. So you've described a resiliency against like this whole situation of the pandemic, but we also know that family businesses historically have shown resilience. Can you tell us a little bit more about sort of like the factors exactly that go into that kind of resilience? I think here is the standard mechanism of, of how, how family enterprises deal with prices uh, with less, sometimes less risky behavior and focus on growth and preservation of family wealth. So, and behind this, we see very long-term thinking and long-term goals, you know, much longer than perhaps in, in private equity as, as an example. And this is unique to, to family businesses. Um, but ha having said that, uh, other things that we observed during the pandemic, it's a, the a, also increased interest into succession planning. The pandemic, I think, in a way, reminded us all about that we're mortal and, and that family businesses are not an exception here. So I don't think, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise that it's, it's succession has always been on the top of mind for family businesses. But we still know that less than half of them actually have addressed this matter in a proactive manner. So, but what we've seen then during the pandemic, since most families couldn't travel, Many of the families had a chance to spend more time together. And I think that gave them an opportunity to sit down and discuss sensitive matters as succession. And of course, there was also a lot of, of buzz in the media around succession matters. And then I'm not referring to the, the TV series, but... The, yeah, no, no, we've yeah, had a few. You're right. There was a lot of drama in the last, yeah, yeah, in the last two yeah, years, yeah, that's but, for sure. Yes. Yeah, but we hear from our clients, there's not more room for, for conversation within family circles. And necessarily so, right? Like because if I'm if I'm reading this right from the index, it says that the average family business board member is 61 years old, and 80% of businesses on the index do not have family board members under the age of 40. So that seems like so maybe the second fact less surprising in terms of like if you think of the size of these companies that you don't have people under 40, but the fact that the average is 61 years old seems like there is a bit of a succession gap happening there at that very instrumental governance body, which is the board. So how do you explain that? Has that been complacency at the beginning of this century that we were comfortable maybe in like, you know, having these experienced people helming maybe sort of a leftover of the baby boomer generation that's holding on to these positions? What do you attribute that to? And do you believe that this is now going to dramatically change, right? Like in the aftermath of this pandemic? 
I do think there are, are cultural elements to it. So we see also how this different differentiates uh, throughout the areas that we've surveyed. But I do think, yes, I think that we see as society changes, this also impacts family businesses. And we also see the push to have uh, a more gender diverse or diverse board structure and we also see the next generation we have that you know we have an amazing opportunity to engage with the next generation through our ey next gen program and there we hear and we may hear that the next gen is becoming more and more engaged in the family businesses and, and demand their space in boards and, and so ask for this at an earlier stage but it's also because they, I think they are, you know, with the educations that's offered to board members and entrepreneurial family board candidates, uh, that will also, I think, take the age down. So, so yeah, so I think we will see that this will be taken back so or progressed. That's an interesting observation. I hadn't thought of that. But of course, like the access to that kind of education is key for, for board members to ascend to these kinds of positions and the diversity. I think like the index shows a lot of really remarkable positive impact. So has anything stood out to you where you thought like, you know, this is a really important next step for most of these families to take now? In my experience, family businesses often follow the general business trends uh, and they change and adapt like any other businesses to survive and in, in, in the markets. And sometimes this may take them a bit more time to, to put a specific topic on the table, but when they do it, they can then uh, act on it 100% next morning. So because they can act faster and decide faster than many of the, the, the public uh, controlled companies. So, so, uh, so I think what's important here is to use their agility and flexibility in the business going forward. So for instance, as an example, uh, a couple of years back, we noticed that it took them less than a year to make a shift in, in perception of AI and for family businesses, they used to think that most of them thought that it was a distant goal, but then we saw them embracing digital in a record time and make it top priority just in 12 months. So that, you know, use the agility that comes with a family business to, and also the governance structures that are often in place to use that as an advantage. So and given given the complexity of the future that's ahead of us, right? Like so between and again, like the the, the ESG topic looms big <laughs> over this conversation, of course, like, you know, between looking at the environmental impact, looking at people's safety and, and social security in, in times of a pandemic, a lot of factors are going to influence whether these businesses are in fact going to make it for another few decades or another few generations or not. Do you expect there to be a change in ranking? I do think that we will see changes also linked to their ability to embrace, you know, the digital market, all businesses being in consumer or, you know, in manufacturing or what have you. Digital transformation will be at the center and supply chain, I think, is also other uh, very important factors that will affect businesses going forward also uh, family businesses. So I do think that we will see, and of course, also the tech factor. That's also, that's why we see that the Asia PAC uh, companies with a strong focus on, on new technology, that will, of course, of course, affect the ranking in the coming years. Because for natural reasons, they haven't been around that long, but they are now about to transfer from first to second generation. 
and they will also then qualify for the index. So yes, I do think that we'll see changes. So a shift there in terms of who is actually in the top 500, but in that case, you're saying also a shift in possibly geographical concentration, because currently, according to the index, we have 16% of these families are German, and 24% of these are actually US-based family businesses. So you expect a significant shift also in terms of geographic distribution of these uh, top 500? I do. I think we will see a shift uh, following the global economy and the global trend. So, yeah, I think we'll see that. It's interesting. Also, the ESG discussion, obviously, right now gets a lot of attention, right? How high do you rate the quality of ESG reporting right now in these businesses? And do you expect this percentage to increase in this top 500, but maybe also in family businesses in general in the near future? And tell us why. I think it's a bit difficult to make a general judgment. I don't think that we really have underlying data here. But having said that, the research in the index shows that, you know, that 78% of them report their sustainability performance and they use very sophisticated out of those. But I expect, because that will also be, these are the 500 largest companies, right, in the world. So I expect the percentage to be almost 100 in the coming years. So because we see some of them are true leaders in ESG and they have built sustainability into their the corporate DNA and they're able to also to link their reputation and legacy to the sustainability agenda. So what we also, I think, consistently notice among our family business clients is that a majority of them believe that businesses can't survive unless it benefits the wider community. So I think it's linked to the long-term strategic horizon that I mentioned of family businesses and deep sense of social responsibility. And, and I think that many of them also consider philanthropy and community giving essential. And it's a kind of legacy they want to build and pass on to future generations. So yes, at least I wish for the percentage to be 100 in the coming years. Let's hope so. Let's hope so that at least a significant increase would be wonderful to see. But really, the reality is, is that society at large is currently changing at a very rapid pace. And I think what's been from a, I always say, from an anthropological point of view, these last two years have been truly fascinating. What we find out about our society, what we find out about the strengths and weaknesses, but it also changes people's outlook on consumption, people's outlook on their own responsibility as a consumer. What do you think are sort of like the biggest shifts? And do you think that family businesses, are they better or less well equipped maybe to deal with this kind of a shifting perception of the consumer? I do think that they have a competitive advantage because especially the brands we see in the index, there are consumer brands that they're extremely well established and they've been around there for decades and decades. And that's I think the reason for them being so successful and being there on, on the top list is that they've managed this in the past and they have that massive experience, you know, built up uh, over generations on how, you know, have the co customer in the center, you know, the customer is always right. And here, I think they're very, very good at that on picking up those signals from the market. And here you see that I see many of these companies 
and coming up with innovative ideas and changing part of the circular new ways of distributing that their products and circular reasons reasoning around here and yeah so a lot of sustainable initiatives so i i think they're leading yeah. and it'd be interesting to make such a, a survey or piece of research to see how they take a lead in the consumer business if the if the cons- customer centricity is actually uh, like at the foremost of their culture i agree with you it seems like it is it seems like it's one of the reasons why they've lasted so long as well but it would be interesting to to quantify that in fact you're right so maybe another research for ey to conduct in the future looking forward to that i think like we, of course like we talk now about a 500 a 500 of, of course, thousands, hundreds and thousands of millions of family-owned businesses around the world that are all either struggling or doing well. And sort of like, what are the lessons that you get from this particular selection of companies on growth? Like, what is it that you take out of that, like the culture that you see in these corporations, the the sort of like the outlook to strategic pivots that if you feel can be extrapolated for the larger family business community to benefit from and for these other family businesses to potentially implement at their end? I rather call them reminders rather than lessons. I think all family businesses have been aware of them for a long time and the pandemic once again highlighted their importance. So the first reminder is investment in community. We've seen family businesses around the world. They've been joining the battle against COVID-19 and they've changed their businesses to support governments and communities. We also mentioned that some of them manufacture essential medical equipment and some of them connected with people in a new way and some of them provided philanthropic support. So that's, you know, investment in communities. Another reminder would be the, as I mentioned, importance of innovation and technology, the importance of digital. And then last but not least important reminder would be to keep people at the center. The well-being of the workforce is something that families paid special attention to during the pandemic. You know, that is also the heart of family businesses that where I find that they all their employees are also part of the wider family so that's also what I hear when I meet family businesses that the people are so critical to their success and without their people they say they're nothing so people at the center that's a beautiful vision hopefully to be maintained and to be shared with many others in the world last question for you Tell us a little bit more about the future of the Family Business Index by EY. So what is what is the uh, the outlook for the index itself? What is it that you're still aiming to do? We will for sure continue with the index. And, and I think, you know, the, the fact that it, it really showcases the importance of the family businesses in, in the global economy. And I think what we did this year when we did a cut on ESG and generational shift, and diversity, I think that's very interesting. We'll continue to monitor that because it, it, that, I think, is at the center of what's important for family enterprises or family businesses in the future. So that we will continue to monitor and highlight. Helena, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We appreciate it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.